Good morning. It is Wednesday, June 16th. Thank you, Jesus. In three days, Jubilee will be nine months. And we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for good weather. Even yesterday, God, I thank you for energy yesterday. Ow. That was incredible. Luke, you got to stop. You're hurting me. Um, oh. Okay, Mom. Thanks. Um... God, we worship you, we seek you, we love you, we'll put you first in our lives. God, if there's anything else that we put above you, help us to say no and banish it from our lives. We want to walk in your ways. We want you to season us with salt so we can be the light of the earth through you, Jesus, and um, help people around us. I ask for your spirit to speak clearly to us and help us hear what you have to say, God. Thank you for every family member that we have. Thank you for our friends. Lord Jesus, thank you for this trip. We desire to honor you. God, we ask for opportunities for ministry today as we're out and about. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you, love you, love you. Help us be bold and courageous. We pray for our, our um, all the medical things on the list of friends and family. We ask that you bring healing to those places, Lord Jesus. Um, where there is, and you know who I'm talking about, of heaviness and depression, God, I ask that you lift it and bring healing to those places. Holy Spirit, I ask that you raise the hedges of protection as well. We put our marriage in your hand, our marriages in your hand. God, that you would bring us that unity. God, help us to do a good job with our school today. And um, we plead the blood of Jesus on us and every listener. God, I pray for the future generations of this family um, and its lineage down a thousand generations. God, I ask for your blessing and your anointing that we would be a legacy of people, uh, a whole nation, God, of people that worship you and honor you and respect you. And God, today we're going to learn about you. God, would you help us learn about you through Psalms 78, Matthew 1, Daniel 4, and Proverbs 16. Thank you, Jesus. All right, this is season two, episode 93. Psalm, Psalms 78. Oh, yeah, we command Jubilee's tooth to fall out. The name of Jesus Christ. Um, God, would you bring healing to their bodies? Amen. Okay, Psalm 78. This is a masculine of Asaph. Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter... Hidden things, things from of old. 
what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The men sit down. Sit. You're supposed to be sitting. It doesn't matter. I'm asking you to sit. Hope, stop banging. The men of Ephraim, through armed with, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zon, or Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day. And with light from the fire all night, he split the rocks in the desert and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out, and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and led forth the south wind by his power. He rained meat down on them like dust, flying birds, like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp all around their tents. They ate until they had more than enough, for he had given them what they craved. But before they turned from the food they craved, even while it was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not merciful to his covenant. Oh, excuse me. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. 
how often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day he redeemed them from the oppressor, the day he displayed his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders in the region of Zon, he, or Zoan. He turned their rivers to blood. They could not drink from their streams. He sent swarms of flies that devoured them and frogs that devastated them. He, he gave their crops to the grasshopper, their produce to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore figs with sleet. He gave over their cattle to the hail, their livestock to bolts of lightning. He unleashed them. He unleashed against them his hot anger, his wrath, indignation, and hostility, a band of destroying angels. He prepared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave them over to the plague. He struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, the first fruits of man in the tents of Ham. But he brought his people out like a flock. He led them like sheep through the desert. He guided them safely, so they were unafraid. But the sea engulfed their enemies. Amen. Psalm 78 is pretty amazing. Matthew 1. Okay. Don't kick the bed, please. This is a um, the genealogy of Jesus. Woo! The birth of Jesus. Okay, this is going to be a big chapter. Okay, the genealogy of Jesus. The reason this matters, do you know? Is because there's 14 generations between a lot of people. It serves as public records that document history, establish identity, and legitimate office. The key to legitimacy and identity is a direct, irrefutable, familial tie with the past. Such lists may ascend from the individual or descend from a common ancestor. These two types of gene- genealogies can be combined. Genealogical roles may either contain a simple succession of names or could be supplemented with expansive content pertaining to the deeds of certain prominent individuals on the list. So genealogies feature prominently in both early and late history in Israel. There are 10 principal genealogical lists in Genesis alone, and these records serve to protect and establish the identity that they regulated a variety, oh, in that they regulated a variety of social interactions, including marriage and land inheritance. So the registration of families who had returned from exile um, was a profound concern during post-exilic times. They were really important in ancient Israel because of the right to hold important offices. It was actually a hereditary privilege. So like a priesthood was assured for a son of Levi. Kingship was reserved for descendants of Judah and especially the son of David. In the New Testament era, certain genealogical records were stored in a public archive in the Temple Mount. 
while others was main- were maintained by private families. Okay, so you need to go to your seats again, guys. Um, everybody. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, this is chapter 1 in Matthew. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. I'm sorry. They all need spankings. All four of them. Okay, P is okay. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Micah, you get two because you're arguing. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile in Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Christ. 14 and 14 and 14. That No, it's 14, 14 plus 14. It's 42. Okay, now you're going to hear about the birth of Jesus Christ. I know you could have. Micah, you're interrupting me because I'm teaching Bible. Let's go back to the, the source of this. The birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid. Uh, is there food in there? To take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through, a, through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Um, being together to make a baby. Okay. We'll tell you when you're older. You're getting close to the time that you should know that. Okay, Daniel 4. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree. Nibble some scissors. Medical sweater. Okay, then Daniel's going to interpret the dream, and the dream is going to be fulfilled. That is what's going to happen in Daniel 4. Okay, Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar. To the people's nations and men of every language who live in all the world... May you greatly, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream. But they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. Yes, Micah. This is a different thing. Oh. The tree grew large and strong, and its tops its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches from from it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw, while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field." Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times past. Okay, let's see. 
where I was. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over the kings of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So here now, Daniel's going to interpret this dream. We're in verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. What is it? It's basically a bunch of caves squashed together to make one big cave. Like, these all bunch of tiny caves form into one big cave that, Later. that comes into a giant hole of rainwater that has behind them birds and you mean the cenote yeah cenote or cenote excellent okay and the cenote or has a lot of beautiful birds nice okay i'm gonna keep reading okay because that's what we're doing right okay. now okay. thank you for telling me about your picture Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, the tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, come, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree. The Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. This is a scary thing for somebody to deliver to a king like Nebuchadnezzar. Because remember, King Nebuchadnezzar was the one that kept saying, Cut them to pieces. Cut them to pieces if they don't do what I like. 
this yeah, well I mean King Nebuchadnezzar hadn't really changed yet right he did acknowledge that Daniel worked for serve the God most high but obviously he's still wicked or else God wouldn't have delivered this to him okay and now you're going to hear about the dream being fulfilled all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later so this is a year later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what I decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people. And will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you. Until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. And gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the time, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorify him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So now you've got... Nebuchadnezzar that turned to God. Proverbs. But it took him acting like a wild animal in humiliation to humble him. Better than Pharaoh, though. Pharaoh never was humbled. Okay. Proverbs 16. To man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. 
The lips of a king speak as an oracle, and his mouth should not betray justice. Honest scales and balances are from the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of his making. Kings detest wrongdoing, for a throne is established through righteousness. Kate, even if you're whispering, you're not listening. Hope, listen. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, but a wise man will appease it. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in spring. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. Who's the king? God. God. So you can think about this in terms of Nebuchadnezzar. Because God, you can replace kings with God in verse 13. You can say God takes pleasure in honest lips and values a man who speaks the truth. No, because we have a lot of school. That's beautiful. If you want to be able to go to the beach on time, we're going to get through school first. Yeah. You finished by 1 o'clock yesterday. Remember? Okay, you can replace it in verse 14. God's wrath is a messenger of death. But a wise man will appease it. Good. When God's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in spring. So you can think of it like that. Verse 17. The highway of the upright avoids evil. He who guards his way guards his life. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's right. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Blessed is he who trusts in the Do you know? Lord, that's right. The wise in heart are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. Understanding is a fountain of life to those who have it, but folly brings punishment to fools. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honey... Honey, what? <laughs> Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. bones. Very good. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to <laughs> death. Luke, you're going to lose your marker. He already lost it. The labor's appetite works for him, his hunger drives him on. A scoundrel plots evil. All right, Daddy, can you take the marker from Luke? A scoundrel plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. He who winks with his eye is plotting perversity. 
He who purses his lips is bent on evil. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained by a righteous life. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Amen. Wow.